Thank you for listening to The Push with Kelly Butler. Today's episode is brought to you by Monuts Cafe. Support local in these challenging times. Are you doing this work to facilitate growth or to become famous? Which is more important, getting or letting go? Kelly Butler is a former Winnipeg Blue Bomber, but he also played in the NFL. Butler now works with Indigenous children in Winnipeg. Playing for a purpose, works with young people, providing mentorship and creating opportunities. Kelly, as a black man and a former professional athlete, how are you feeling watching all of this unfold? It's a check-in with your boy KB. Today's date, it's Sunday. It's December. It is the 6th and it is 2020. How are we feeling today? I want to see... No, it's perfect. Don't laugh. Like, they can hear you laugh, though. That shit scared the shit out of me here. That shit scared the shit out of me. It's perfect, though. We got some... Hey, my man Ace, I love him, dude. I love my guy. Like, we've been trying some new stuff with the board, and, like, the live audience scared the shit out of you right there. Right? They scared the shit out of me, man. <laughs> Too much, man. Technology out of control right here. But anyways, let's calm down and get back into order of business. Hopefully, that was a little bit funny, because it actually did scare me. How have you guys been doing lately? You know, as far as this checking in, you're listening to us on Tuesdays and Thursdays and now on Sundays. And you're saying Thursdays, Kelly's. Yeah, Thursday is going to become the community corner. I feel like as we're able to empower and have a platform and I'm not a big statistic kind of guy, but I am very aware of the data and I understand data is very important. So currently up to date and um, as far as podcasts, we have close to 1400 downloads. So thank you so much for you guys doing that. Nah, right? Now you get it. That was wild. Again, say that again. Okay, yeah, like 1,400 downloads. That's not me, that's us. I want to make sure that we're doing that and working together. And today's topic is how to ask for help. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I find that the podcast that we're doing is being able to ask for help, being able to open up and share and communicate and work together. And through this time frame, I've been able to talk about having mentors um, on the show. I had Lewis L. Reed, who I think is a great uh, example of what somebody can do with an opportunity to take uh, advantage of, of a very bad system as far as going to jail then coming back and doing the things in the community. Big round of applause for my man. And he was my first guest. And it was really, really important because I wanted to make sure that, you know, we were able to bring guests and bring on people that would be able to add value in different perspectives. And that's how I'm helping myself because I always want to learn. And the biggest thing about learning is being able to share that knowledge. Sharing knowledge is helping. Are you afraid to ask for help? Are you, do you know what you're looking for, first of all? And especially the biggest thing is why? Why are you asking for something? Especially right now as going into the show, this is where I'm at right now. I, I need a lot of help. And I've had a lot of people come back to my life that have always been in my life in different stages of asking for help. And, and, and I look at that recently, I've been downloading and listening to podcasts because I want to make sure that I'm doing the right things to be on track, to be a successful podcast for myself, being able to articulate what I'm talking about to the audience and making sure that throughout this process, as we grow as an audience, as, as I grow as a person, 
I'm making sure that I'm as up to date as possible with different platforms and how people speak so we can work together. So at the end of this podcast and through the, the check-in, I'm going to do a little bit of a critique of a podcast. I'm not going to be negative. I, I, that's, I don't think negativity is anything that's going to push us in the direction we want to go. But I do want to share you some of the things that I listen to that help add value to me, help allow me to be able to try and navigate through some very challenging times. Because as this podcast is a lot about what I do and what I lived in, in my experiences, there's other people that I draw on to help me. And I want to talk about the biggest thing is how to ask for help and how to receive help. How to receive help is one of the harder things to do. Because a lot of times I'm very, very comfortable of giving out help. But I'm not so comfortable asking for help. And the reason why I'm not comfortable for asking for help is a lot of times I feel like I've helped enough people that people should know or people will be more aware of what's going on and help me. Just because you help somebody a certain way doesn't necessarily mean they're going to help you the way that you help them. That in itself right there is frustrating. You're able to provide to people and they become dependent on you. And then those people that are dependent on you and now you depend on them, it might not necessarily be that same sort of exchange of energy as it was in the beginning. That part right there becomes frustrating. When you give but you don't get. And you remind yourself of that saying, is it me? Am I doing something wrong to first of all be in this position to be needing to find help? What have I done wrong thus far? What have I done that's going to, that's holding me back? And that's called acknowledging that you're here. Big thing right now is where as we go through COVID, as we're trying to rebuild or redefine or reform, we better start asking for help. And asking for help, being able to give it, and also being able to receive it. Are you a person who is willing to help others but has trouble asking for the help? Let's just look at that. It's very, very good to have a purpose of giving. But in getting that part right there, you gotta ask yourself, that's a lot of energy exchange if everybody's taking from you. And I know that personally. And it's something that I draw on because in myself, I would rather have people depending on me than I know there's a connection there. When I know at times when I was a child, I was by myself and I had to depend on myself and I became very much so isolated. And there was nobody to ask for help with. There was nobody that I could get help from in certain situations. And at my most vulnerable moment, when I asked for help and realized that there wasn't anybody coming, that fear was a reality. And I think sometimes we look at have, when we've asked for help, a lot of times why we don't ask for help is because when we initially took that first time to ask for help, we weren't heard. That first time we, we, we voiced a complaint or that first time we tried to say, hey, I need some help, the circumstances or the situations didn't allow for our voice to be heard by the right person to be able to allow us to make sure that trauma was healed or at least that was acknowledged. I, I know the best way that I was helped as a child 
it wasn't through words. It was through weapons and through violence. So I know when somebody doesn't have the, the right answer, when I've asked my father for help, he was just very abusive with his hands. So I stopped asking for help, but he kept helping me. And it didn't seem to be helping me. It seemed to be hurting me. A lot of times from what I've grown up in, from the people that we interact with, there's a reality of our pre-existing trauma and being able to fail forward, to overcome the odds, to become able to have a winning culture. But in doing so, that part of being able to find help for myself, I don't necessarily know how to do that. And as I'm working through this, regulating my emotions is very challenging. Speaking for myself personally. Because I have to expose my vulnerability and all my weaknesses because at 38 years old, I have been able to develop a group of individuals that we work together to be able to overcome task we work together to be able to navigate through systems and problems and then internally for myself i've helped develop things through experiences to be creative to get out of situations to minimize who and when and where i have to depend on people that's really going to become problematic to me i help a lot of people but i'm not dependent on a lot of people and at the end of the day it isolates me when i actually do need help because i don't necessarily know how I'm going to be able to listen because I'm always giving advice as a foster parent, as a coach, as having to have a way of thinking in certain situations. There's a way of thinking that we have to create a way of rules not to be able to ask for help. An example is you have a child that lives in a socioeconomical environment that's very low below the poverty line. His father is not in the picture. The mother is there. There's multiple kids. He is the eldest. And now he is forced to have to be a provider. His mother is addicted to some sort of substance. So he knows by the system, there's no one who's going to help him. But he knows he's got to help his family. In that situation, you develop a certain set of skills to avoid the people that usually come help in those situations, CFS, the police, and they take you out of there. So you learn to become silent and you navigate through problems. A lot of the kids have to navigate through problems in silence because as soon as you speak up, what little bit of family that you have is now taken apart. Personally, I hate asking for help. And personally, I look at the people that I've helped and ask myself, how did I lose that connection? Somewhere along the line, did I lose the focus of things that I was doing and being able to try and create a culture of being able to work together and it was lost somewhere? Because I have to acknowledge that I got to take some control on this. It's freeing when you acknowledge that you can do better. It's freeing when you, you realize that you didn't necessarily have the skills to do something. 
It's a reality that you can either move forward the same way that you were, or you can ask for some help or some guidance to build yourself up, to actually give yourself a chance. But all of that's stressful. All of that's a fear. But an attitude towards that, that's up to you. If you're going to add value or you're going to devalue yourself, you're still stuck. That's the biggest thing that I understand is I'm stuck. And the first thing I had to do was shock my system and wake up. I had to acknowledge I was stuck in the way that I was asking for help, how I was taking the help. It was not working. So for the fathers and the mothers and the people that struggle to listen, if you have kids and you're becoming emotional because you're doing things for your kids and then how you interact with people, would you interact that way if your child was watching you? And if you say that you wouldn't, then you now have shocked your system to remind you why you're doing those things and how to do it in a way that your kids would be proud of you or at least be aware that somebody's watching you do things. That is one of the biggest things that I came to a self-reflection of in having a conversation with my mentors, Glenn Damon, a mentor that's helped me get to where I'm at. At times, we have not spoken because I had to work on myself. But in the beginning, when I was lost, he was one of the most helpful people at giving me direction, guidance, and structure to help me along my way to be here at 38 years old. So I look at when I've asked people for help in the past and how they've helped me, and I look at when I've helped, asked for people for the help now, and I do a comparison of the mentors I have, have they grown? The lessons that they were teaching me were those lessons helpful throughout the process now? Did I even have mentors back at the time? The terminology life coach is cliche now. The terminology life coach and the concept was something original when we were doing this five years ago, mentoring and being able to do that on a level that Glenn Damon was. It helped develop me personally, professionally, and allow for me to, to just get some more control. And then that connection was lost. The skill setting was there and I developed some skill settings, but sometimes when you ask for help and then you're able to receive help, now you have to be able to see what you've learned. Are you able to utilize what somebody taught you to be able to take that upon yourself to utilize it in a way now and take it as far as you can? The biggest thing about knowledge is being able to hold it and not share it and also being able to take that knowledge and try and use it day in, day out, and not being afraid of the mistakes or the learning curve. The learning curve is the part of being able to understand it's not going to happen at once. But in that learning curve, you realize that in order to move forward, you should be communicating with people on a regular basis. We should be checking in with people and saying, how are you doing? How can I do this? And I relearned that. In these times right now, I'm relearning how to do things. I'm relearning and revisiting situations that for a while, there was a lost connection. So I spoke about Glenn Damon, one of my pillars and one of my mentors. 
a lot of times when I talk about asking for help and having to receive help, the biggest people that have helped me in my life was when I was like 14 years old. The group of guys that I grew up with was BFL, Brothers for Life. And the biggest problem that I have is a lost connection with ink on my skin reminds me every single day of something I once had and I lost that, but I'm still part of that family. And the reason why I say that is because those group of guys at 14, we, we were unstoppable. And those individuals have developed to be amazing people. And the part that I struggle with is there was a betrayal because I was supposed to move in with one of these members. And because of where I was currently living, that person kicked me out of the house. So the trajectory of where I was supposed to go and the group of people I was supposed to be with that were very helpful, that connection was broken. And then that was the beginning of saying, man, I don't have, I'm losing control of my emotions. So when you look at this, I said, who am I going to reach out to? Who are some of the people that were just through and through my guys? Who am I going to ask for help? That's one of the things you got to ask for. It's like, obviously we know we have to ask for help. We have to acknowledge that part. Now, the big question is, who are you going to reach out to? So I've now reached out to Glenn Damon recently. I also reached out to Malcolm Black, who is the strength coach for the Washington Redskins. He was my strength coach when I was with the Detroit Lions. Just a great man that was ahead of his time trying to mentor young, wild men. Can you imagine playing for the Detroit Lions and being 21 years old in your home city and all your boys are coming to the games? You know, my cousin was coming, Robbie, these guys who I wasn't able to live with, that connection that was once lost, now it's reconnected. I'm back in my city playing for the Lions. Charles Rogers, take a moment for that guy. When I was playing for the Lions, he was, you know, the, the second overall draft pick and took great care of me. Great, great guy. Necessarily might not have played the best football because he broke his collarbone because a particular player undercut him and it short, cut him short. Matt Millen, great man. Got a lot of respect for him. But the person that stood out was Malcolm Black and Dominic Rayoli. <laughs> Rayoli. <laughs> What's up, Dom? And Big Wood, who I see on TV. And I also see my guy, uh, Big Dan Orlowski. See guys I play with doing phenomenal things now. Well done. I talked to Dan recently, and he always uh, helps out with the kids in our Recruit Ready program. So thank you to Dan for reaching out. And Big Wood, uh, Damian Woody has said he's going to be on the show, as is Malcolm Black. So I want to make sure why I have people on the show now is because of the relationships I've had with them in the past. And one of these people that I looked out and reached out to recently was Malcolm Black. Um, that's what it is. You kind of remind yourself of the people that have been in your life, um, how long you've known them, where they are now, and what they're doing. And is those, are those group of people still with you? And if they're not, you lose that connection. But what are they doing? So to reconnect with people because of the podcast, it's been amazing. It's been a very fun experience and it's been an, it's been an emotional journey. 
So when I've been able to interact with uh, Malcolm, uh, with Black, it was just great catching up with him. And what he was saying to me at that time was how he was trying to help me, but I wasn't ready. You know, I think one of the biggest things that you got to ask yourself, are you ready to receive help? You know somebody's giving you that advice, but you're just not there yet. And it's not their fault or your fault. It's just the reality when you look back is like at that time, the culture, I wasn't ready. And as I was growing, who really is ready to have that kind of money to have no mother and father figure and have a group of people that you kind of grew up with being on that platform to be able to do that. And the person that was trying to give us guidance was giving us great guidance and direction, but I wasn't listening because when I wasn't around him, I was around other people that were taking me in different directions and I was enjoying it. That's the biggest thing right there is you look back and say, man, my attitude towards when I was playing, it was fun, but my focus should have been on football. But this is the first time I've ever been on this platform so I got to enjoy this because my lived experiences, nothing lasts forever. And I didn't have my mother and father there to enjoy this experience. So I was just going to live it up. And now you look back at that and saying, there's a better way to be able to live it up if you're willing to listen up and being able to take some help. Listen up. But nobody likes to say, nobody likes to hear that. Listen up. It comes less disrespectful. And then if you don't listen and you fail, then you're willing to say, hey, nobody wanted to talk to me. A lot of times, it wasn't that people didn't want to help me, it's just I didn't know how to listen. And I'm still struggling with that now. So I've asked for help how to communicate, how to tighten it up, how to be able to create a conversation where there's a healthy exchange of communication here that we're working back and forth, a better process of talking. And I had to be able to revisit mentors that had helped me in the past that are working with me right now. That part right there is important to reevaluate why you're where you're at, reconnect to people that you, you, you really have been with and have been through things and kind of see where they are and see where you are and see how far you've come. So in reconnecting to Glenn, he's doing what he does best. He, he is connecting with people and helping them. He's going to be uh, Glenn Damon. He's going to be on the show. And then connecting with, with Malcolm Black. He is doing what he's doing, mentoring men and having you know, challenges being a coach in the NFL during COVID as a black string coach. That's going to be an amazing episode. That's going to be very, very fun to look forward to. As you look at other people that I've had in my life, there's negative people that I've, I've had as mentors. And to be able to take that and learn from that, that's the positive part of it. Failing forward and being able to take that information and learn. How I feel is the hard part because in these individual experiences from my own, as I've needed to have help and be vulnerable, I've, had, I've been taken advantage of. So it's left some trauma. It's left some emotional scars. If you have been taken advantage of it leaves a scar internally, not externally. Can you think about a time when somebody took advantage of your kindness? Can you think about a time when you asked for help and nobody was there to hear your voice? 
I don't want to go dark here, but I do know there's been times when I wish and I called out for help and nobody was there. But once I was able to know that feeling, I also know the feeling of what it feels like to be able to ask for help and be heard. It takes that emotional pain and puts it on pause. It doesn't initially go away, but you're starting to melt away some of that trauma when people start helping you more. But as soon as they stop helping you, that trauma starts freezing up and it starts expanding. That iceberg starts, that was once melting, that you start feeling more grounded. Now it starts coming back even bigger because you've elevated where you were to where you are. And now the way you, where you are, you're aware where you don't want to go. I don't want to go back to not being able to be helped. And I don't want to go back to how I had to react or had to survive when I didn't have any help and I wasn't being able to be heard. It's very, very stressful needing help, wanting to be able to ask for help and not being able to be heard, but knowing that if you speak loud enough or in a certain way, you will get what you want. The reality of being a former NFL player and having to block or push somebody in front of me that was stronger or faster or bigger, regardless, I had a responsibility to do a job and I couldn't ask for help. Either I did win or I didn't win. Remind you, I did play for the Detroit Lions. At times, it was not pleasant getting beat by somebody else that's a grown man in your hometown. That's not pleasant. You know, that's the biggest thing that I look at is in situations that are not relatable, people really want to talk about it, but they don't necessarily understand the overall experience of what it was like to be there, a.k.a. an NFL athlete. You get a lot of hate. And it's very hard to ask for help because now I'm asking for help for my NFL disabilities. That's one of the hardest things to say is during a period of time, asking for help and being helped because when I was playing sports, I was helping out a lot of people. And now that I'm no longer playing sports, I've still helped out a lot of people. And there's probably people that are listening that help other people, but they might not get the help they need. So they stop asking for help, even though they might need it. That's a hard place to be, man. That's a hard thing to process. That you know you need help. You know you've helped people. And the purpose that you ask and help for is to help your daughter. That's me speaking out loud. The reason for this podcast is to open up and talk about my lived experiences, to be able to make it rela relatable, to have the right attitude and the right energy to get over overcome things and actually have done these things. Like a lot of times when you look at what people say and what they do, did they actually do it or are they talking about what they would have done if they did it? I know fans that talk about football like they know more about actually playing in the game because they have the statistics to do it. So it's hard for me to actually have a relatable conversation because it's not really real. It's relatable because you saw me do it, but you never actually did it. So a lot of times my attitude towards people that have once saw me perform, I don't necessarily really have, it's, ch it's challenging interacting with them. It's frustrating. If you haven't gone to jail 
and you talk about going to somebody who's going to jail, you judge them. But somebody that's going to jail that's trying to rehabilitate, that's doing the right things, you should make it as easy of a process to keep him on track because you know what happens if he doesn't go on track. You shouldn't point out what he doesn't know. You should point out and acknowledge what he's doing to get himself on track. I do that all the time. If, if you have somebody that's going in the right direction, let's keep him in the right direction. Let's keep him on that right track. But sometimes if he tries to go off track, I gently push him back on track with my words and remind him where we met. I don't want to lose the connection like the connection was once lost for me. We're going to make mistakes as we grow. But if we stay connected, the conversation, the overall experience should be much more helpful than hurtful because of my experiences, I try and share what I've learned. <laughs> my engineer Ace has been with me since day one in the Dream Tracer program and now is my engineer in here. His partner, they're still together. They still have, they have two kids. They're moving into my rental property. So fail forward, inspire and give hope. He was once in jail when I met him. He's now working with me, helping us. He does more for the show than you will ever realize, but he's doing a great job. He did that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He here, but he ain't really here, you know? It's kind of like energy. It's in the room. So that's the thing about it is like when you are doing the right things, that energy will be felt and I might always be seen. And if you're not doing the right things, even if I ask you for help, your energy off. So I don't even really want to ask you for help because I already know how your energy is. And if your energy is in the right place and you stay connected, the help comes in a level that you've never seen before. The reality is sometimes when things get tight, you got to work a little bit smarter. And what have I learned from when I started to when I stopped is being able to branch off to new things, but bring people along the way and put your people first and put yourself last. I always put myself last. People seem to think I put myself first, but that's on purpose. But if you ask the right people, you understand that they're much further ahead because we've pushed together and we've helped each other. The process hasn't always been pretty, but we've done it together. So a lot of people that internally work with me, we're able to ask for help. And if you're not asking for help, it's probably because I wasn't listening well. It's probably because when you were asking, I was doing more telling than listening. And personally, I apologize to the people that are listening. If you've tried to ask for help from me and I haven't been helpful, I probably was hurting more than I let on. That doesn't make it right. It's still that reality. And, in, and able to be able to acknowledge that I didn't do a good job makes it easy for you to acknowledge that you maybe could do something better. That's a connection that can be helpful. If you know that there's new pressures coming, but you know that you have some of your old supports with you now, you're in a better position. I've been waiting 14 years to have this podcast. We have a podcast. Each individual in this room is waiting on something, but we together have a lot of hope together.
But just being here, it's great. It's, it, it really is. I got enough passion to keep moving forward. I just don't like blowing up on people. So if you have too much emotion and you've fallen, failed forward and overcome too much and you're too close to your goal and you have too much passion and you've blown up on too many people, you will eventually just be by yourself or you you know, it just was not pretty. Now that goes to who are you reaching out to? If those people that are still with you in your life are becoming problematic now, and the only reason you're keeping them around now is because they've just been around since the beginning, but they're not helping you now, do it in your way, but find a way to let go so you can move forward. That energy of holding the relation to what it was, to what it is, is not helpful. I am struggling with that, and I'm working through it on my own personal accounts. The positives and the negatives and the transitions of how to do it. Now you talk about progress, because I'm talking about a couple of things that I can give to you. Now, today, we talked about the numbers. Where you are should be enough for you if that was your goal for you. If you're not where you want to be for everybody else or where everybody else thinks you should be or where you should think you should be at, then that's on you. But for what my initial goal was to have a podcast to be therapeutic for me, it's been the greatest thing. I found out who killed my mother, saw his face, was able to make peace, have had an opportunity to connect with so many people. I'm employing my day one guy. It's dope. He's living in my rental property and his kids and his partner that were once living in this house upstairs eating all my food maybe might give me some money back now. So the thing about it is, if you're around people, it at least takes off the pressure because you know that you're not doing this alone. That's the biggest thing is being here with the guys and the girls and the people. It's like we're fighting for different things, but we're still fighting for the same thing because we're all parents. And at one time I was parenting them or mentoring them. So now as I'm mentoring people, I look back to my mentors and look at them and say, man, there's some really good people that you're getting ready to meet because eventually we will connect. I talk about the people that I grew up with BFL. We will reconnect. And what I've been doing is kind of reaching out, but I know at times when people may have tried to reach out to me, I might not have been as easy accessible as I thought I might have been. So I can't take it personally if I can't get a hold of somebody else that's where they're at on a larger platform. I have... One of my friends and family cousins from BFL, who's a doctor, he's coming on the show, Deshaun, uh, Kevin Deshaun Hollis. Then I have another brother of mine that's DJ Infamous, Calvin Donald, who is the DJ for Ludacris. Then I have another one of my brothers, CJ Quinney, who is the host or uh, the co-host for the, the success uh, podcast um, with Eric Taylor. Those kind of things right now are truly amazing. And then you think about it is there were 17 members. So some of us became more famous and recognizable than others, but there were still 17 of us. And to be able to say where we are and what we were doing back then, man, the energy and the help that they helped me 
when I was a kid and the tattoo on my arm, because people always used to ask, what's this tattoo? Are you part of a gang? Are you part of this? I'm like, nah, I'm part of a group of guys that we, we, we do big things. And you know, we were on the cover. We had a, we had a, we had we, we had a big article in the paper. I'm like, man, BFL, brothers for life, boys for life, death before dishonor. So a lot of times, people thought I was in a gang. It was one of the biggest things that I struggled with because when I was supposed to get drafted, they said, "Oh, you're part of an, this gang." And there was another game called BMF. You know that Atlanta gang that does it big. And the, what happened was when I was in college. I was doing it big because my mother had left me life insurance. So my tattoo of my institution of my brothers, we were doing it big. I was when they were coming to Purdue and we were having fun. But they thought I was part of a gang rather than just a group of a larger family. And I keep saying they thought I was a gang because a group of people that are part of an organization doing something positive is called a fraternity. The thing about when we talk about asking for help and being able to be helped is just how are you feeling at the time when you're asking for the help? Are you really being able to receive that help? So I thought it'd be helpful that I had a chance to listen to my boy's podcast and I wanna check it out right now and I'm gonna, his first podcast, I wanna critique like the first episode and CJ Quinney, I haven't talked to Quinney in years. Now, let me think, CJ and I go way, way back. So right now what I'm trying to do is stall and look for his first episode and I found it. So let's do the intro and give it a couple minutes and see how it sounds. Here we go. Listen to me, everybody has a dream. Uh-oh. Everybody has a dream and my phone just died. We gotta come back and check that out. I'm out of here, peace. <laughs>